Good evening, everybody. The first of May, the fifth month is here, and we just want to thank God for His faithfulness, for His goodness. Though we don't believe at all in numerology, but there are numbers in the Bible, and as you heard Pastor Vijay say in the morning, five is the number of God's grace. And so you can always believe the fifth month you will experience even more grace than the fourth month. And it is the grace of God that makes all things possible, all things happen in his children's life. So this evening, even as we come to the question-answer session, this is our sixth one. Sixth question. Yeah, and we, we got questions again from one end of the world to the other end, like we are somewhere in the middle, India. We have questions all the way from U.S. to Australia, and we have questions all over from the Middle East and other countries, and Hyderabad, India. So we just want to thank God that I didn't I didn't realize Q&A would be so captivating. Mm. So it also causes us to work because it's sometimes easier to prepare a message where we are focusing on one topic, one area. Then suddenly you are thrown so many questions and we have to go around Literally search the Bible for the answers and uh, it refreshes our memory of scripture also and we have to rely even more actually on the spirit of God that we give you answers which are true and right according to his word. So this evening before we go to the first question, uh, Pastor Vijay could you open or lead us in prayer and then we'll go to the questions. Father, we thank you, Father, once again for this time that you have blessed us with. Sixth day of the question and answer session. Thank you, Father, for the way, Lord, you have spoken to every heart through the power of your Holy Spirit. And I pray, Lord, that you would continue to speak to us, O Lord. Father, grant us all the spirit of wisdom and revelation. And I pray, Father, that you would have, you would give a double portion of your spirit to your servant, even as he, Father, Father, answers, O Lord, we don't have the answers. It is the wisdom of God. I pray, Father, for your wisdom this evening, O Lord, and I pray, Father, for every searching heart. I pray, Lord, that your your Holy Spirit will be able to take the question and, Lord, be make it relevant, the answer, and make it relevant to every situation, O Lord Jesus. Grant us, O Lord, Father, grace this evening, O Lord. Be with us from the beginning to the end, and let your name be glorified. Anoint all of us and grant us ears to hear what the Spirit of the Lord has to say in this last hour of time. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen, amen, and amen. So we shall begin with the questions. And Pastor Vijay, you have the questions. Yes. So yes. again, we have, uh, we'll target first the questions in the life category. <coughs> first question, um, I'm assuming it's from a new believer. Uh, it's question number two, Pastor. It says, my question is about boldness in Christ. I want to know how to be bold in Christ. Oh, it's not a new, it's not such a new believer. It's from one of the young people from a Hindu background. The only one practically who believes in the Lord in her family from Bangalore. She has written this question, which is asking about boldness. My question is about boldness in Christ. I want to know how to be bold in Christ. I'll give you three answers. 
or three points connected with boldness. First, your boldness will increase as you grow in your righteousness. Righteousness is a factor. Righteousness is knowing the ways of God. Okay, you are first right with God and you keep on growing in your righteousness, meaning you walk with God, you understand the ways of God, and as you grow in your righteousness, you also grow in boldness. Can I have Proverbs 28 and verse 1? The wicked flee when no one pursues, but the righteous are bold as a lion. Okay? The wicked flee when no one pursues, but the righteous are bold as a lion. So as we grow in our righteousness, we'll also grow in uh, in our boldness, in our in our in our fight with evil, the fight with powers of darkness, even in our desire to be a true witness of God. If you turn with me to Daniel chapter eleven and verse thirty-two, you will see the same uh, premise over there that those who know the Lord, let's leave the first part. Those who do wickedly against the covenant, he shall corrupt with flattery. But the people who know their God shall be strong, also implies shall be bold. Those who know their God. It's, no, it's not knowing about God, it's knowing God. That's why we use that term, walking with God. Because when you walk with a person, you get to know their ways. What kind of a person is, what are the things that interest that person, what are the decisions and how do they make their decisions? All these things. You remember when John uh, the Baptist pointed uh, Jesus, behold the Lamb of God, two of his disciples followed Jesus. I definitely believe one we know is Andrew and I believe the other one was John. And when they started following Jesus, Jesus turns and asks, what do you seek? So they said, where do you stay? The first time Jesus heard a response like that because everybody who came to him wanted something from him. But two young people asked, where do you stay? So he said, come and see. So they stayed the night with Jesus and scripture says the next day they went, Andrew went to Peter and said, come, we have met the Messiah. Because he stayed one night with Jesus, he understood something about God, something about Jesus, his character, his ways, he saw something which convinced him this must be the Messiah we are waiting for. That's what Daniel is talking about. They who know their God shall be strong. So growing in righteousness, growing in your knowledge of God, not about God, of God, continuously walk with him. And third thing I want to say is you need to ask for boldness. Boldness is something which you ask. Now all kinds of stuff is happening around the world in India. It's been happening for 2,000 years against believers who try to witness, testify, to have their meetings. All kinds of restrictions have come. Attacks have come. When this happened in the book of Acts with the first nascent new church and the apostles were arrested, flogged, and all these things were happening. Scripture says, if you turn with me to Acts chapter 4 to verse 29, the church gathered together again, 29 onwards, and look at their prayer. They were not saying, Lord, deliver us from our enemies. Lord, please, Lord. They were not. They were saying, Lord, look on their threats and grant your servants that with all boldness they may speak your word. They were not asking for a way out. They were saying, we want to continue what we are doing. All we ask is, Lord, give us even more boldness. Because fear will cause you to flee. 
We don't want to be afraid and we want supernatural grace, supernatural boldness. And by stretching out your hand to heal that signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus Christ. And you look at God's response in 31. And when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and they spoke the word of God with boldness. Okay, So you need to realize, we are talking anything, we are talking or you desire to do something for God. You cannot do this on your own strength. And there is a God who will give you his strength, his supernatural grace, which include boldness. And you will see the boldness of Daniel, the boldness of Daniel's three friends. They were not supernatural grace, how they could stand uh, before the most powerful wicked dispensation and say, no, if our God wants to save, he can. But if he doesn't, it's fine. But either way, we will not bend our knee to this idol. These are all cases of supernatural boldness when an entire nation makes a law that nobody can pray for three, thirty days. Daniel goes, but he opens his window and prays because he's not afraid to pray, to do something that is right before his God. If he had shut his window and prayed, then he would have been praying in fear. But he was a bold man. And he opened his windows and he prayed. And then he's not afraid to go into the lion's den. He's bold. So these are supernatural manifestations of God's strength in the lives of his people. But the two, three things are there. One, grow in your righteousness. Second, know your, know in your knowledge of God, grow in your knowledge of God. Three, ask for it. Lord, give me more of your spirit. And when the Holy Spirit keeps filling you, you will have more and more and more boldness. More and more. We have petrified people who never ever faced crowds, never preached to people ever in our life. But when God called us, and I was a stammerer. He was not even a stammerer. Stammerer meaning I lost all my... You, the only time I ever spoke in public was in my college when I stood for an election. And uh, we, the group of people were going through. So suddenly in this class, somebody said, if you want my word, speak. So the other guy said, you have to speak. I don't know what I stammered through. I think out of sympathy, he gave me his word because I won. I won. So... That was the only time in my life I actually spoke in a public kind of a setting till after that it was like coming to uh, behind the pulpit. So a classroom is a different thing. Those are students, you have control and power over them. You sit down there quietly and all that's a different. But I'm talking about a setting like that. But when we came behind the pulpit, we also encountered a God who gives you confidence, a God who gives you boldness. So that would be my answer to the child in Bangalore. Yeah, I hope your question is answered. It also yeah. says in Hebrews chapter 10 that you have... Can you hear Pastor Vijay? Yeah. Okay. yeah. Mm. You, it also says in Hebrews chapter 10 that mm. you have boldness to Bold enter into enter. And he'll into. Give, our conscience can be clear. Look, yeah. The reason why we have, don't have boldness... That is the boldness to come, come to, to God. God. We do not have to fear at all exactly. to go to God. But that's a different thing. To go to, Going to your father is one thing. Facing your enemies is something else. Mm. If you know the love of God, you will never be afraid to go to him. He has loved you when he, we were his enemies. Mm. And if you loved us that way, then I mean, a lot of people, the, the biggest deception of the enemy work, one of the biggest among God's children is thing, causing them to fear to go to God when they goof up, when they fall. And that's the stupidest thing you can ever do. When you fall, run to the cross, run to the throne. Mm. And your father, you will see, has never changed. It's never changed. And he begins the work of restoration. 
Yes, Pastor Vijay. Okay, so this question is question number one from the life section, Pastor. It okay, says, one. Can you tell me, Father James, why are there so <laughs> Father James, okay. Okay, Can so you tell me, Father James, uh, why are there so many contradictions in the Bible? Okay. Forgive seven times seven, 49 times in a day. Then God says, don't hang out with unbelievers and Gentiles. But when they, but then why should we forgive them? Just throw them in the prison and let, let the dogs eat them up. <laughs> He's very candid, Pastor. Okay. Um, also, God says, don't take anybody to court. Settle it out of court. When you try it, the guys still take advantage and take your kindness for weakness. How come? So you cannot win for losing? Okay. Uh, first, I would always uh, ask my dear brethren, especially from the Middle East and Catholic background, when you write, I'm not a father. <laughs> I have I have children of my own, but other than that, I am not a father. And uh, only there is one father in heaven and uh, scripture, Jesus says, don't call anybody father. So I'm a shepherd. So you can call me pastor, which just means a shepherd and shepherds are an abomination in the world while fathers are exalted. Mm -hmm. So if you go by shepherd, it'll be more comfortable. Otherwise, I'll feel that I'm in a Catholic setting. And uh, (laughs) okay, let's get to the first question. Can you tell me... uh, why there are so many contradictions in the Bible? Actually, they are not contradictions. No, the, the thing is that when we all started reading the Bible, we also first saw contradictions. But when we understood more and more and God's Spirit started teaching us, because the Bible says the anointing teaches you all things, we understood uh, the contradiction was in our mind and not with Scripture. Because there is no contradiction with God so let us come to the first question, forgiving. Actually, it is not just seven times, it's seven times 70. I want you to turn to Matthew chapter 18 and look at that, 21 onwards. Okay. Matthew 18, 21 <clears throat> onwards. Peter came to him and said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Up to seven times? He thought he was being great. Jesus answered to him, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to 70 times seven. Okay, now please understand, like, you know, when we look at all these things, uh, we will, uh, see, we, we don't have Peter's background. We don't have Peter's background. That's why I said, do not stay with the Gospels, go beyond the Gospels. Even when Jesus is teaching, he was sent to the children of Israel, though he died for the whole world. So much of his teachings is directed within the setting of the law. And then Romans onwards and Acts onwards, the church begins. So Acts chapter 2 onwards, everything changes. So there is much more revelation than what Jesus taught. He taught through the Holy Spirit within a setting of the Judaism. And then chapter 2 onwards, the Holy Spirit through the apostles starts teaching what actually is truth. Mm. Okay, Before that, they couldn't be taught because they did not have the Spirit of God. So... Please understand what Jesus is teaching here. And I want to all the from US to Australia. I have 20 young people in Australia. I hope you, I know it's very late. It's midnight there now. It's past midnight. But in case you are watching, it's a lockdown anyway. In case you're watching, you're very angry. I didn't even use your letter over here. You're very angry because of what you have gone through and you are messed up and uh, because of what Three generations of you, your parents and your grandparents too, of all of you went through the same thing. And I want to also encourage you, tomorrow your time would be fine, our time morning service. I want to deal with tomorrow and after tomorrow morning, I'll deal with 
issues which are very, very important for you and for the brothers in the Middle East who have come through and the Catholics in U.S. who have come through. And you are struggling because of the setting which you have come. <clears throat> I want you to turn to Psalms 90 and verse 10. Then we'll understand the setting under which the law. Psalm 90 and verse 10. The days of our lives are 70 years. And if by reason of strength they are 80 years, yet their boast is only labor and sorrow, for it is soon cut off. So there, when Moses speaks, he talks about an average man's life. In this setting of the law, has to 70 years. Okay? 70 years. So when seven is the number of perfection. Perfection. If you go beyond that, you go to eighty. Okay. So what Jesus is talking about here is that by the time you finish your life in seventy years, you should have come to this level of perfection, especially in your area of forgiveness. Mm-hmm. That you hold you die in peace. Absolute total peace, knowing that you have no accounts against anybody. You have forgiven everybody, dead, alive, living, doesn't matter. You have forgiven everybody. You have allowed the Holy Spirit to cleanse your spirit out. And uh, you have received forgiveness also from God. This is Even if I take a little time over it, I'm telling you, this is the most important thing in the life of a believer, the most important thing in a believer than anything else. Because if you go back to Matthew 18, you will realize Jesus will exemplify this need of forgiveness, of forgiving, using a parable. And uh, and he, we, we all know the parable. I would encourage you to go further and read the parable. But the servant who did, the master forgives the servant of a massive debt. But he does not forgive another servant who owes him something smaller. And look at the judgment that comes is verse 34. 18.34, Sammy. Yeah, 1834. And his master was angry. Now he's talking about God. Hmm. Okay, the parable is talking about God. Was angry and delivered him to the torturers or tormentors hmm. until he should pay all that was due to him. Okay. What God says is that if you don't forgive, this is one of the biggest deceptions of the enemy. Because it is how can because God is saying every child of God, when he comes to God, every person when he comes to God and asks for mercy, God forgives everything. Who you are, what you are, and everything that you have done. We were born in sin, shaped in iniquity. He forgives that too. And accepts us as we are. Everything we have done in our entire life, all the days of our life, we go to him. That's where the boldness we use. Come boldly to the throne room of grace and receive what first? Mercy. mercy. Hebrews 4.16. Mercy. What is mercy for? Is forgiveness for sins. Mercy. So God says, I forgive of everything. And I expect you, therefore, to forgive. By forgiving, we are not whitewashing or justifying anything the other person did. Don't misunderstand. That's not what we are doing. We are leaving it in the hands of God. 
you are the judge. I will not be judged over what was even done to me. I leave it to you. But what I am going to do is that I want your forgiveness. I want to walk in your presence. So what I am going to do unconditionally, I am going to release that person. Okay? When the law takes its own course, let it be. I am talking to people, you know, the kind of, the children in in US, you 20 of you who wrote, I am telling you, you have gone through nothing compared to the others from US who have written. Those who were part of the circle, the abuse they have gone from the age of one. And some of them were just birthed for the circle. Mm -hmm. And been used as a baby all the way till some of them till last week. I'm talking about people who are 70 years old. Okay, so you have no clue. I don't even want to talk about these things before because it is sick and it is heartbreaking and uh, no heartbreaking what they have gone through. But even for them, I'm talking to both sides of the spectrum. You want to experience freedom, you have to forgive what they did to you, the masters and all the wicked people, you know, wicked, wicked, wicked people. Let me tell you, a woman who's been in this circle and has been used in this circle with different altars, 15, 20, 100, 1,000 altars, I'm telling you an average estimate, my study with altars and, uh, and uh, those who have been in this circle, could have been used by up to 10,000 men. Different men. And even that person is being asked by God, let go, so that you can be with me and walk with me. And one of those ladies, sisters, could have birthed any number of babies in this circle. And those babies could have been sacrificed. Or where sacrifice? How many? We will never know. So even to that person, God is saying, let go. Because I want you to be a queen. Royalty. And it is the privilege of royalty to extend mercy. Remember when Esther approached the emperor, he stretched forth his hand and he kept her. Otherwise she would have been taken away and put away forever. So mercy. Royalty has a privilege to extend mercy. And as God's children, it doesn't matter what we went through. Because our Father is a merciful God, we extend mercy. And one of the biggest traps of the enemy is to keep you in unforgiveness. And you are tormented day in and day out. The problem is when you do not forgive, the person who has abused you controls your thinking. So you are even, you are even more in bondage to that person. He's controlling your thinking and he may not even be aware. He may not be in your life at all. He may be dead and gone or he may be in some other place. You have no contacts at all, but he's still controlling your thinking. And God understands all these things and he says, let go. I want you to turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 10 and 11. Let us, uh, sorry, that was about mercy. Now, whom you forgive anything, I also forgive. Now, Paul the Apostle who started all these churches is far away. He's writing to the church. He's saying, I'm telling you, if you forgive as a church and with my apostolic authority, I'm saying you forgive. It doesn't matter what it is. I also forgive anything. 
And in one of the particular cases, he is handling his incest. If you forgive, you are there, live over there. You forgive, I also forgive. For if indeed I have forgiven anything, I have forgiven that one, that one for your sakes in the presence of Christ. That one is a particular issue as a, let's say as an overseer, as a bishop, he is handling. The news has come to him. Lest Satan should take advantage of us. And we are not ignorant of his devices. He says, you know what? Don't be fooled. We understand the devil very well. The apostle is telling the congregation and the leaders and the elders. We understand the devil very well. One of his most cunning devices is, no, that person does not deserve forgiveness. So you don't have to forgive. He says, yeah, what you said is true. That person does not forgive. Uh, but you also and I also did not deserve forgiveness from God for everything that we did. We also did not. Yeah, here we are. The simple illustration we talk about is that in the eyes of the law, the fellow who stole a chicken and the fellow who robbed the bank before the law, both is a thief. They are both thieves. So when the law comes in, they all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And the wages of sin is death. Okay, so when you look at that picture, God says, I forgive you. So God says, let go, forgive, hmm. do not hold it, forgive. So whether it is husbands and wives, maybe in Hyderabad, hmm. hearing, let me tell you, forgive each other. Let go, just let go. How can you live under one roof without forgiving? I do not know. How do you manage that? Definitely you have company. And I'm telling you that is not God and that's the devil. He loves houses where there is no forgiveness. He's very comfortable there. God is very comfortable in houses where there is forgiveness. So even if it is a house or home in Hyderabad with a husband and wife or whatever it is, no. please, 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 please forgive. Theologians actually say unforgiving people who ultimately at the day of judgment, are thrown into the lake of fire, they will be tormented more than the demons. You know why? Because when the demons sinned, they were not offered forgiveness. When the devil and his one-third sinned, God did not offer them forgiveness. He did not offer them redemption. He did not offer them anything. Straight away they were cast out of his presence. But when we fall. God waits and he offers us forgiveness every day. That is what it means. His mercies are new every morning. So the torment of somebody let us say 70 years lived with this forgiveness being offered by God every day and rejected it because you are not willing to forgive somebody else. Your torment will be greater. That's what theologians say. And I believe this element of truth in it. So please understand this, by unforgiveness, you give your enemy power over you, the devil, and you let them control you, your mind, your thinking. And let me tell you, unforgiveness and hatred go together. It is not possible to be unforgiving and not hate somebody. Hmm. No, I only don't forgive, but I don't hate the person. It's a, just a play of words. 1 John 2.11 hmm. But he who hates his brother is in darkness 
and walks in darkness and does not know where he is going. All my dear brother in our Indian system with folded hands, I will say, even to my church in Hyderabad, in your homes, let go. If you do not forgive and you hide hatred in your heart, you are in darkness, you are walking in darkness, and you do not know where you are going. You think you are going somewhere else. That's not where you are going. Because darkness has blinded your spiritual eyes. Okay? That's what I tell you. There's nothing bigger in life than dealing with mercy every day. You and I need mercy from God every day. And God has made that condition in the, in the, in the Lord's, uh, sorry, in the Sermon on the, Sermon on the Mount. Mount. Blessed are, Blessed are those who are merciful, for they shall obtain, mercy. obtain. You see, mercy is not free. When God forgives me today, He expects me also to forgive those who have sinned against me. And if you come to the Lord's Prayer, we got it. Lord's Prayer, chapter 6, Matthew 6, 12 and 13. You will again see a spiritual connection Jesus makes, okay? Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. You see, they are connected. God says, if you don't want to be tempted by the enemy and fall into sin, if you do not want the evil one to have power over you, I will tell you one thing. Keep forgiving. If you do not forgive, then I cannot forgive. When I cannot forgive, you are open to the power of the evil one. The heads around you, you broke it with your unforgiveness. So these are all thoughts that are connected. They are all thoughts of the kingdom that are connected. So we have to look at it and we have to be very, very careful about it. And please, please uh, think about this. Jesus lived 33 and a half years of a perfect, sinless life. He was tempted at all points and did not sin. sin. That means he was forgiving all his life. But our really redemption, the beginning of our redemption, practical, active redemption begins when he's nailed on the cross. And his first words are, Father, forgive them. For they do not know what they are doing. Now let me ask you this question. <laughs> Did Caiaphas know what he was doing? Did the high priest know what they were doing? Did Sanhedrin do, know what they were doing? Did Pilate know what he was doing? But Jesus says, they don't know what they are doing. <laughs> they are all slaves of the enemy. They are blinded by the enemy. If a blind man knocks over something and falls... Usually in the physical, we don't fault him. We lift him and I'm sorry, sorry, let me help you, right? And this is the heart of God revealed through Jesus Christ on the cross. They are all blind. They have no clue what they are doing. You know? And when one of the, one of the major attributes of growing in the Lord that your eyes are being opened is how you forgive. Because you realize, my eyes are open. I'm not in darkness. Poor thing. Has no clue what he or she is doing. Mm. I just forgive you. 
We are not saying we are justifying their action. We are not saying immediately we are fellowshipping with them. None of these things you have to do. God is not asking you to do any of those things. You don't have to do any of those things. God is saying from your heart, open your mouth and say, Father, I forgive them. And I choose to bless them and not curse them. Every religion is based on curses. Mm. Kingdom of God is based on blessing. Bless your enemy, God says. And that's how you are freed. Every time you think about your enemy, what's open your mouth. You have to open your mouth. Confession is important because the devil doesn't read your thoughts. He hears your words. God reads your thoughts. But your fight is with the devil, not with God. Because by unforgiveness, you are giving him power. So you have to open your mouth and say so and so. Father so and so in the Catholic Church who abused me when I went for confession and then I was just a child. Let me, let me, let me, uh, speak what you wrote to me. Many of you wrote to me. I was just a young girl. He kissed me on the lips and he fondled me. Forgive him, whatever his name is. Father Patrick, Father Joshua, Father, whatever it is. I don't know. I don't care. He's a victim. You are a victim. All blinded by sin in the power of the enemy. So now don't hold it. Just forgive. Forgive. Those who came to the circle, doesn't matter how many masters were there, what they did to you. You forgive. Let go. God will do. Our battle is different thing. When we bind and we call down the fire of God of Elijah on the Lord, just when the fire falls, it fire falls on the demons. The demons kill them. We don't kill them. We still pray, Lord, let them be saved. But they happen to be in the wrong place at the wrong time when the fire fell. <laughs> okay. If, if you had been a tourist in Wuhan three months ago, you were at the wrong place at the wrong time. Mm. Though you were a tourist, you died. Okay, so in the same way, we have to do our battles and we will do it. But that is not our response from our heart. We don't know individuals, we do not know individuals, we don't want to know individuals. We forgive and we let go. Because an unforgiving heart is the devil's residence. The devil's residence. A forgiving heart is God's residence. So my prayer to you all is every day, even as I speak here, everywhere, images come, people come into your mind, forgive them. And if they keep on coming in your mind, take a book, write down their names, and that is your first set of people you will pray every day. That's how you give it back to the devil. Write a list of all the people who you are angry, mad with it. Write a list. Every day, that should be the first set of people you pray for. And you will you will see in my life, in my life, all these 25 years, if I have seen anybody who hears so clearly from God, 100 times better than me, clear. I'm not talking about studying the word and discernment and wisdom and all. That's a different thing. But I'm talking about hearing clearly from God is my wife. And I will tell you, so many people have harmed her, done evil against her, but I have seen her crying out for her enemies, interceding for them, praying for them every day. And she has nothing in her heart. She may not talk, she may just cut them off completely, but she holds nothing in her heart. And I hear the clarity with which she hears. And she hears. Because I see forgiveness has its own benefits clarity of hearing from God. No, We'll all be hurt in many, many ways. And God is not saying that, oh, you need to have a deep fellowship with them. No. In the church, yes, we all fellowship. But if they have left and gone and all, it's okay. You don't have to 
have to fellowship with them. I'm not saying that you don't have to, but you have to forgive. Forgiveness is unconditional. There's no set category of sins. You will say, I will forgive. This is beyond. No. You have to forgive. Then only you will get that. No. You know that you're walking in the light and you're walking with God. Yes, Pastor Vijay, that was a long message. Pastor, but I think it was an important message. How how different Christianity is from all the other religions. It's unbelievable. And I'm it's the only way that makes Christianity primarily. What is the core of Christianity that makes it different? Even from Judaism. Judaism teaches you. Eye for an eye. And truth eye for an eye. It says, uh, love your brother and hate your enemies. Teaches you eye for an eye this thing. But Christianity is the only, if you want to put in terms of religion, which says, love your enemies and bless them. Pray for them. Don't curse them. Don't curse them. Don't curse them. Why does God say that? Simply because that is God. He loved his enemies. We were his enemies. He loved us. And he says, if you really are my son, you're my daughter, and you have my character, show it. Love your enemies like I do. Like I do. Okay. So these are, so these are important things. That makes Christianity the cross defines our faith. Cross defines our faith. And that's what you need to realize. Even in India, like the major religion in India is Hinduism. And Hinduism, you have the major god, which is Vishnu's ten avatars. Nine has come according to their religion, and the tenth is going to. But every time an avatar took place, mm. it was to destroy. Wicked. It was to destroy the wicked and save the, and save the saints, the the sadhus, the righteous. That's exactly what, if I'm right, Krishna says in Gita, Yuga to Yuga, I am born to destroy the sinners and save the righteous. And Jesus' words are exactly the People will say all religions are the same. They are not. They are not. Jesus says, I have come to save the sinners. I have come to save the sinners. And not the righteous. He says, if you think, if you think you're righteous, you don't need salvation. But I've come for the sinners. And scripture says the sinners flocked around him. He never twisted the law or justice or righteousness or anything at all. He would tell the woman caught in adultery also, go. I don't condemn you. But don't sin again. Mm. Don't sin again. Don't sin again. I know you are blinded. If you are caught, you have been exposed. Now go. Don't sin again. The man crippled for 38 years, he tells him. Don't sin again. Something worse will happen to you. He's not condoning sin at all. Mm. But he extends mercy, mercy all his life. Even on the cross, he extends mercy. And that is what God is talking about. He's extending mercy. He's extending mercy. And if you look at if if my understanding is right, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. I don't think in the nine plagues in Egypt anybody any man died. No, yes. No. It's all the, uh, it happened on animals or anything of that sort. No man died. Yes. Meaning for nine severe plagues, God was extending mercy to Egypt. Please let my people go. Mm. Nobody has to die. You please let them go. They didn't accept it. At the 10th, each family had to lose their firstborn. Then they said, you can go. Can you imagine the extent of God's mercy? Why do you think Jesus is studying his coming? Because of his mercy. doesn't want, scripture says God doesn't want anybody to perish. Would like everyone to come to know the Lord. And we have to be people of, that's what grace 
and truth came through Jesus Christ. Law came through Moses. There is no mercy or grace in the law. Obey or die. Mm. That's all. And nobody can obey. So all of you die under the law. But Jesus came with grace and mercy and truth. And the greatest facet about grace is mercy. Freely forgives you because the price was paid in full. That's what it means. Paid in full means for everybody's mercy. From the first man to the last man. Everybody's mercy. The price, the righteousness of God has required has been paid in full by his son. You are free. Hallelujah. You are free. That's it. No? I know it's long, but it's the most important subject. Unbeliever, believer. Even believers struggle. All of us struggle with unforgiveness. The practical way is lift up your hands in the morning. And you, that comes and say, Lord, I choose to forgive. I choose to bless that person. And you will see in your heart, things will start changing. After some time, you will start really feeling sorry. I tell my, my younger pastor, because we sit in Nano, we always talk in the morning. I said, I tell Vijay, from the first person who left my church to the last one, I love them all. And I miss them. And I can name all of them from the first one. I miss them, I love them. Otherwise, I would leave this job and I will not be a shepherd. If I cannot love my sheep, old ones or new ones, I wouldn't take this job. I did not leave something in the world and take this if I did not. I said that I had to ask from God, give me constantly that heart, oh Lord. Pastor, it is impossible, in other words, to extend it unless God gives us the faith, right? Because he says... In but Luke, it is his life. It is by faith. And after that, it becomes... That's what he's talking about, seven times, seventy. Yes. It becomes your life. Like like he says in Luke's Gospel, chapter 5, right? He says, um, is it easy to say, uh, pick up your mat and, uh, and walk, or is it easy to say, to forgive, yeah, forgive you? Forgive, no. It, it, it becomes mm. your life. And sometimes, even the most nice person, this thing, when sin gets in, that is walking into your darkness... David falls into sin and Bathsheba, everything, he moves into darkness. And I'm saying so many things are going in his mind. He's probably angry with Bathsheba. Why did you have to tempt me? Because that's how people justify their sin, no? Mm. You always have to blame. Why did this fellow have to die? Couldn't he have come? I gave him so many chances to go sleep with his wife. None of these things would happen. He's so angry and unforgiving and everything. I believe he's at that stage. That's when Nathan comes. Nathan uses an illustration and scripture says he was very angry. Hmm. Why are you angry? If you're really broken in your heart, you shouldn't be angry because your sin should be at the top of your mind. What did I do? What did I do? No. He's very self-righteous at that point. Yes. You know what he said? He took that lamb. He shall give how many times over? Four, four, four. How many? Four. Four. First, Bethsaida's son dies. Yes. His son. Second, Amnon dies. Third, Absalom dies. Fourth, Adonijah dies. You want four times over? God says, you will get four times over. Oh, Lord. You will get four times over. Oh, God. And that's what makes him at the end the most merciful, kind kind person, how he dies. Hmm. He will not lift his hand against anybody. Kind, merciful man God makes. So we look at both sides of the story and says, how God can change a man. The sword will go through his family, but each one asks for that sword. So we are not saying David was responsible for his sons, mm. but God used something evil that happened in his life to make him the most kind, 
tender-hearted man, the psalmist of sweet psalmist Israel, Israel, sweet psalmist of, of Israel. Israel. And David, God is not ashamed to call his son's throne the throne of David and call his son the son of David. So pardon me if I'm asking yeah. you one more question related yes. to this. Uh, because I think it's relevant to all of us. I, it's impossible that offenses should come. right? Pastor? Offenses will come. Will come. Mm. It will come. And the thing is, uh, when you say, when you talk about brokenness, mm. Uh, can I say that brokenness has truly come into a person's life when he has become a forgiven person, forgiving person? Can I say that? This is also, I will tell you, if God plans to use you more in ministry, he will also put you through situations that will make you a man fit for that ministry. See, that's what I'm saying. Hmm? Joseph had to go through all that to integrate. He gets into that throne and becomes Pharaoh's right-hand man because he's a man of mercy, hmm. not because of any. That's what God is looking for. God's throne, when authority is finally released in the millennium reign and God is going to rule with his saints, every saint will be a merciful man, yet he will rule with the rod of iron. Grace and truth. He'll be a man of grace and a man of truth. If you have not gone through that, God says you cannot reign. And the devil knows that. He you know, understands all because he's got years and years of experience dealing with God and dealing with man. And he understands if he can get anybody, the best believer at any point of his life trapped with unforgiveness, he knows he's got them. He's got them. And it's gone. He's got them over there. Will not let go. So it's a trap. So that is the only answer is we should say like the disciples, yeah. God increase our faith. Yes, increase our <laughs> faith. faith. No, increase our faith. And God will give it to you. The Holy Spirit yes. is there. All you have to is verbalize it and every day practice and a little time later you will realize that feeling. See, we are more controlled by feelings, but feelings keep on changing. Hmm. And if you confess what God is talking about and act on it by faith, you will realize your feeling for that person changes. You will hmm. only feel sorry. Only feel sorry. Pastor, there's a last part of the question. Uh, out of court settlement. Uh, could you just... No, no. This, this, please remember. Oh. When God is putting at something, something, what you need to realize is, God is not talking about, uh, what you call it, uh, you have, it, it is not, one cap fits it all. Mm. First thing he's talking about is, is a situation which is happening within the context of the church. Let us imagine we are sitting here, we are a church, and I have an issue with Pastor Vijay and I. No, let, don't think about as pastors, two believers uh, living side by side. And I believe he has encroached a little into my property. Hmm. You know? now the whole, he says, no, that is mine. Now, what do we do? Do we fight? Do we go to the panchayat office? Do we go to court? What do you do? That's what God is talking about. Will you just let go? Hmm. These things are temporary. Yes. Most of the fights in families are over property. property. Right? Yes. And that's the f- first test. Hmm. When Abraham and Lot comes out of Egypt, Abraham goes to his altar, puts it all right with God. The first test, can we go over there so that the new believers, we can Genesis look at? Genesis 13. Hmm? Genesis 13 verses 6, okay. 7, 8 if I'm right. And there is battle has begun. Yeah. 7 and 8. Yes. 7 and 8. There was strife between the herdsmen of Abraham's livestock and the herdsmen of Lot's livestock. 
and the Canaanites and the Perizzites then dwelt in the land. Mm. Now, always when I teach them verse, and Abraham said to Lot, okay, when I teach them, I always tell them that little interruption over there is not history. The Canaanites and the Perizzites then dwelt in the land. That is not history. It's already mentioned earlier, Canaanites, you, who will be there in India? Indians. Indians, yes. They're living in Canaan, Canaan, Canaan the Canaanites, Canaanites over there. Yes. It's already been mentioned in the chapter 12, the Canaanites dwelt there. Now it has been written over there, second time when something is ripped, it's a spiritual truth. God is saying, you two are the only believers in this entire nation. And there is fighting among you both. It's your herdsmen fighting, but you know, <laughs> herdsmen won't fight if you don't sanction it. Lord says, shut up. Abraham says, shut up, fighting is over. Hmm. Right? It's over. So God is saying, when two believers are fighting, do you realize the unbelievers are watching your testimony? Yes. Now what are you going to do? Are you zealous for my name's sake? It's my name you have. What are you going to do? So scripture says over there, Lord became rich because of Abraham. Lord is a nephew, Abraham is the uncle. The promises are all for Abraham. It is, Abraham is rich, Abraham is blessed, and Lot also becomes rich because of that. Because the blessings are all the uncles. Okay? The nephew should have humbled himself before the uncle. But that's not the point. The point is who is spiritual. Hmm. Who is spiritual? The spiritual one is the humble one. The unspiritual one is the proud one. And scripture says, Abraham said to Lot, Please let there be my, no strife between you and me, between my herdsmen and your herdsmen, for your brother. And if you look at the next words, he says, is not the whole land before you? Please separate from me. If you take the left, I will go to the right. If you go to the right, I will. He says, you take first. Whatever you pick, what is left, I will pick. Hmm. And Lord looks. Picks the green Jordan Valley close to Sodom. He takes the best piece of real estate and goes. But we know what happened to him. And Abraham does not lift his head until he hears God. God then after Lot has left, God says, lift up your head and look. Everything you see, I give it to you and your descendants. You know why? Because he was a humble man. He was humble. This is what God is talking about. Now what is talking about? You have to be very wise about the law has to take its own course. Criminals, you have to file cases against them. That is all a different part. We are not talking about that. We are talking about primarily within the ambit first of your own family and the family of God. In these two things, there should be no fight at all for property or any of those things. In your family also, you know. And we don't even realize. It's important. Okay. The eldest one in the family got the double portion. The double portion. Yes. Okay, that's what actually literally what did it mean? He got a double portion so that when the father passes away, he takes the father's position so that he will help any of the weaker siblings mm. when they are in trouble. So he's being given an extra portion because you are taking the position of your father. father. That's mm. why you're getting so that you will constantly extend mercy and help them. Not that, okay, I got two because I am the eldest. No. That is why the double portion moves away from Reuben 
Jude Joseph because he is the one who is showing mercy and takes care of all the elder ones. So when Jacob blesses him, he will say he is the one by the well and his bow is across the wall. He's not only a blessing to his family, he's a blessing to the whole world. You know why? He's the eldest one. He understood what. So the eldest one with a double portion is Jesus Christ. And everyone who will rule with him have understood that, have come and they have become a blessing. Hmm. In this life, they are willing to let go and not hold on to things. Okay, you want this, take it, take it. No problems, no issues at all. And some of them may be fleecing you. Hmm. Some of them may be using you. And you know it, but you still let go. Hmm. You let go. Hmm. No, <laughs> because you know. I can't be cursed. Yes. One thing, I can't be cursed. What is blessed cannot be cursed. I cannot lose my crown unless I lose it myself. Nobody can take my crown. The only way my crown can go is that I lose it. Because we know at the end of the day, there is a father and a righteous judge sitting. And this is all temporary and that is eternal. That's how you look at it. Amen. Okay. Awesome. Okay, the God says, don't have, same question, don't hang out with unbelievers and Gentiles. Oh, no, basically he doesn't say don't hang out and all. We are all placed in the midst of them. But, the Bible says, we are not of the world. Hmm. But we are sent into the world. So there is a constant distinction between us and them in the way we are. We become the witness of God. So actually sometimes we are even more in our workplaces with unbelievers. But they will always see. Joseph was in the midst of unbelievers. Always. But they knew he was different. Amen. He was different. So that's what it's okay. And we keep forgiving them. Why? Because they are blinded. They don't know what they are doing. We don't throw them into prison. We want to get them out of the prison. Out of the prison. We don't want the dogs to eat them up. Hmm. Okay, that leave it all to God. The dogs will eat them up when God's time comes. But our job is, Lord, I don't know. If God were to tell every man, these are the people who are written in the book of Lamb, then we will just go to the man, preach and go. We will never change. It will be a targeted operation. (laughs) We will never change. But God says, no, I won't tell you who all are saved. I know, but I won't tell you. You go to everybody, some will curse you, some will make take advantage of you, some will shout at you, all that. In the process, you are being changed. You are being changed. Okay, that is how we go to Gentiles. They all won't listen our message. They will gossip about us, slander about us. You are showing us what you think you are the only one. All these things. Take it with a smile. Take it with a smile because we have to change. Amen. Yes, Pastor Vijay. Okay, Pastor, so this is another mm-hmm. tough question. Question number three. Question number three, okay. I, I had a deep emotional connection, mm-hmm. soul tie with someone who was involved in sexual sin. Mm-hmm. Not with me. Mm-hmm. And may have experienced SRA. Mm-hmm. Is there anything specific I should do to break that off? I do not want to leave any door open. Okay. This uh, concept about soul tie also comes from the Bible, okay? It is not unbiblical. It is there. It talks about David and Jonathan being one soul primarily. Okay? I mean, many people who think alike, think alike, who like being together, that's the soul part of it. Their emotions, their mind, their will, you know, they gel together. That's the soul part. That's where this thing comes. With someone who was involved in sexual sin, meaning with somebody else, and may have experienced SRA. SRA is the term for 
satanic ritual abuse. It's a real thing. In the satanic occult groups, the children, the people go through that ritualistic abuse. They go through it because invoking the demons, they need power because there's only two sources of power. One is God. His way is righteous. It is difficult and law. Multiple people do not want to take that route. So they go to the other route. And the other route is where SRA takes place because the devil won't give anything free. You have to bring victims for him. So a lot of people in their youth, all their life, go through this. So it's talking about that other person. So I would say, first I would say you had. So I would say that you need to break it off. And no, pastors who are listening won't understand this or may disagree with me. But I'm telling you, these are things which we do which we do and it works because uh, unlike your body your soul cannot be seen like we we had a case during this lockdown in india people you know there's a violent case where a person when the police was questioning them for getting out of the lockdown he cut the police officer's hand off Right? He cut off. But they stitched it back. They took it back, put it in ice, quickly rushed, and it was, uh, so by that, whatever surgery you call it, it was stitched back. So you know parts of your bodies can be cut off and can be put back. Put back. In the same way you need to realize, you can also, I'm not putting it as a doctrine, I'm just putting it as experience in ministry. You can lose parts of your soul to somebody else. Yes. Okay, with whom you got too deeply attached. Too deeply attached. That's the mourning of David over soul, over Jonathan. He's mourning. He says, your love for me was more than all. Because he's seen all his women betraying him. All of them. And he says, you are the only one who truly loved me as a brother. Okay? You know, so he's, he feels like he f- lost a part of his soul. Hmm. Because he's real. And Jonathan would risk his life to protect David. Okay? So that's what it is talking about. So what you have to do is you have to break that soulish ties with that person and uh, pray that if there is anything that person is holding which belongs to me, I forgive and I cut all those ties off because, like I said, in the demonic realm, traffic takes place. Traffic place takes place. Like, you know, You were, like this person is talking about, you were in an emotional bond with somebody who was a victim of SRA, satanic ritual abuse. So in that person could have been tons of demons. Okay, so in the physical we all understand exactly, anything. Exactly. But the problem is nobody wants to accept this in the spiritual. spiritual. But the physical is just a manifestation of the spiritual. Yes. Let us say Peter went and put his hand in oil and I go shake his hands. I cannot say no, oil will not touch me. It will touch me. And I go back with oil in my hands. Okay, why? Because I held him by hand. In the same way there is transference that takes place. Transference that takes place unless you are absolutely clean clear and under the blood. Now, if I put gloves on and go shake hands with him, my hand is still clean. That is why we constantly say we stay under the blood. Mm. 
If any man is, is in, in crisis. crisis, that's the only protection. protection. In, in the rural areas, when I when I use illustrations so they understand, I will always ask for an umbrella. Then I open the umbrella and says it's drizzling outside. But if I stay under the umbrella, the water is all around me. It's not falling on me. Now, is it raining? Yes. Yes. But am I wet? No. What kept me dry? The umbrella. In the same way, is the demonic all around us? Yes. yes. Is it affecting us? No. No. If you are under as the blood. As That's why scripture says, if any man sins, God is faithful. Mm. Confess. Confess. The blood of Jesus will cleanse you of all unrighteousness. And Revelation 12.11 says, they overcame him. Whom? By the blood. It's not. It's a protective weapon. And it's a um, offensive weapon. They overcame him by the blood of the lamb. How did they overcome him? Daily they overcame him. He is throwing everything at him, but they're staying under the blood. And they use the blood. They use the blood for cleansing. They confess, constantly confess to God and the blood of King. Because righteousness itself is the breastplate of righteousness. Okay, you have the shield of faith, you have the breastplate of righteousness. Why is this area given to protection? Because everything is aimed at your heart. Everything is aimed at your heart. So you have the breastplate of righteousness. How do you keep it on? By constantly walking in repentance, confessing the blood of Jesus cleanses you of all unrighteousness. The breastplate of righteousness is back and whole. And the devil's arrows doesn't penetrate. These are all practical things which you do. It's not that you just memorize Ephesians chapter 6 and I put on this mm-hmm. thing. It doesn't work like that. Mm-hmm. You have to, have to be real, real practical in what you're talking about. Lord, like David said, Lord, search in me if there is any lie. You want truth in your inward parts, oh Lord. I don't want to do presumptions in. Search me, show me and when you, God shows you, walks in you. What are you doing? You're putting on the belt of truth. And you're able to stand there firm because you have put on the belt of truth. No? And when you are bringing every idea that opposes the idea of Jesus Christ, pull it down, Jesus Christ, what is happening? You are putting the helmet of salvation. salvation. Okay? Okay. So that's my um, answer to the, my dear sister, who is written it. I forgot your name. It's not there in the question. But this is how you do. You have to open your mouth and say, cut out every soul tie. And also, God will show you other people also, because, you know, and says, every soul tie, I cancel it out. And if there is any demonic transference that took place, I command them all to leave me in the name of Jesus of Nazareth. And anything that belongs to me, I pray it will come back to my soul, that I may be made whole. Remember, Jesus healed people. He made some people whole. Mm. And his questions were, do you want to be made whole? whole. People only wanted healing. Mm. Healing is for the body. Wholeness is for the soul. Ten lepers, there are ten lepers, right? Nine of them received healing. healing. One received wholeness. wholeness. When he came back and praised God with a loud voice, fell at Jesus' feet, Jesus said, you are made whole. That is of, of your soul. Okay, yes, Pastor Vijay. So, in, related to this, I have a question. Mm. When uh, Corinthians says that mm. he who is joined with the harlot is one flesh, there's a transaction that happens in that. The, oh my gosh, there's a transaction, big transaction. And that's that pro- precisely the reason why mm. it says that uh, the, the so- Solomon's Wives turned his heart, heart away, away from him because... Huge transfer, demonic transfer was taking place in Solomon's life. If that same scripture says, if any man is in Christ Jesus, he's one spirit with, with God. Him. Yes. 
then when he, he is with a prostitute, he is one soul with, with her, her. Yes. and there is a transference. She may have had 10 customers that day and that fellow may have had have gone to 10 others. So you go to a demonic transference mm-hmm. that takes place is messed up. Yes. And they, they don't realize, oh, it's just a 15 minute thing, one hour thing, but they don't realize why their mind is so completely messed up. After. And you will see the wisest man on earth just simply goes into darkness and does the most darkest thing from which all these dark things have originated. Everything the circle is doing, they trace it back to him. And they are the wise ones, the illuminated ones, the Illuminati. And they have swallowed such big lies, the masters keep dying in every age because they have been told this lie, you're all ascended masters. Hmm. Jesus is also only one of the masters. All of you are going to be masters. That's where all... All these things which are coming out, which are called masters of the universe, everything is coming on. Okay? Masters of the All this is being fed to people. You need to realize everybody who is watching Hollywood and all, they all think when you die, you are all going to become be masters and you are going to be... No, you don't realize all these poor fellows were so blinded, they've gone straight to hell to the deepest part of it and they will be burned forever. They don't even realize... They don't even realize where they are going. But that's how they got all fooled. And in all these rituals from ancient days down to today, it is always drugs, sex and orgies and invoking of demons. And they have no clue. And people who come out of it have to break it out, completely break it out. Yeah. It also has a long-term consequence, right? Even after you get saved. If you are delivered, no. God can set you free to the uttermost. It depends upon how you want. How you want. How you want to be free. It has an effect on it. Why do you think David took four, five, six, seven wives conquer? Why do you think David took? He's a good guy, right? Why did he take? You look back four times, four, uh, four generations up. Who's his great, great, great grandmother? The prostitute Rehab. of Jericho. Rehab. Rehab. It's fam- flowing in the family line. They don't have they don't have deliverance in any of those things because they are under the law. Mm. Atonement hasn't taken place. Grace hasn't come. People living under the grace. That's why Jesus said even the greatest in the Old Testament, John, the littlest one in the kingdom is greater than him because you don't know what you have access to. You have access to the very spirit of God who will set you free completely. It will have no effect on you at all. You can break free and walk like my son walk. So it does not matter. So the Old Testament, we only learn patterns. That is not our life. Mm. What is impossible for them is possible for us. Impossible for them is possible for us. So that is, that goes in the family lines. But no, that's why when we, that's why the Bible says if any man is in Christ Jesus, he's a new mm, creation. All things have passed away. But you have to understand and say, I am a new creation. I'm cutting it all off. Yes. And I will walk in the newness of life. life. Yes, Sammy? Are we okay? Are we okay, Sammy? Sound is fine, no? It's fine, right? All right. Okay. Pardon? It's okay, right? Okay. No, no, it's not a recording. It but has to go live. Life is... Going on. Okay, okay. okay. Fine. Fine. Yeah. All right. So, question number four, Pastor. I'm going to read it. Dear Pastor, I want to love others the way Bible says, but I don't feel in my heart that I love others to that extent. When I sense even a bit of envy in my heart, I feel so suffocated. I end up crying before God, saying He knows that I don't want envy, pride, anger, any of these things. But even after prayers, why don't I feel ch- ch- challenged or changed in my inner heart? This, if also if I'm right from, is a new believer, Nepali believer from Bangalore. 
Let me tell you, child, first thing, don't believe your feelings. If you give primacy to your feelings, then you're not walking by faith. Whatever God says, you have to take it by faith. If God says you're forgiven and you have done what God has said, you have to believe it by faith, you are forgiven. You can't say, I have said, I have repented, I have confessed, but I don't feel forgiven. No, God doesn't speak to you through your feelings. We are called to walk by faith. Mm. And if you consistently walk by faith, what happens is the feelings will follow. You consistently have to do the things which faith demands, blessing your enemies, praying for them, and doing what you have to do. And the feelings will follow. Don't put your trust in your feelings. No married couple feel the same way every day. Mm. One kabakara, two other. Do you feel the same thing every day? No, you don't feel that way. No, no. But if they were to go by feelings, no, no. Morning you may not feel, I don't want to get up, but I don't want to cook his breakfast. But you get up and go do it. Right? But after you finish and when you see him eating, you feel so good that he ate it all. But that's not what he felt an hour back. Mm-hmm. If mothers went by feelings with these tantrum throwing babies, how many of them would survive? Mm. No, they don't. No, they don't. People all watch movies and things. Babies are a pleasure when they sleep. <laughs> Nothing's got to do with feelings. You you overpower your feelings and you still do what you have to do. So we know how to do faith in things of this world. Even a normal man does. But so child, I'll tell you, these are things not about your feelings. You consistently do it by faith and your feelings will change. And the fact is that God is challenging you with about all these things are very good. Mm. When you feel envy and all, you should feel, we should feel suffocated. Because we are, we are suffocating the presence of the Holy Spirit. And it's a very good thing and continue that way. But don't put trust on your feelings. Hallelujah. What's the next page? Mm. Uh, would you want to take the second question? Second question. Yeah, so many Catholics, okay, St. Patrick's Cathedral, how do we come out of this horrible nightmare with most of the clergy are masters and bother us like crazy? One of the ways you have to do is first you have to leave. Telling you straight up, any church, Catholic, Protestant, Baptist, Pentecostal, anything, all who are hearing, one of the things you have to pray is this Father, I am in this church, I've been in this church for so many years, but if my pastor, my priest, is a master, reveal it to me, I will walk out now. I will not stay there. Because it's a difference between other sins and this one. This is witchcraft. So you stay under them, you too come under the power of witchcraft. Even if their teaching sounds fantastic, but remember the revelation is from the Lord it is not from God. The devil was made perfect in wisdom. So the devil also can give you a revelation from the Bible. The revelation may be true, but you are still working and living under the power of witchcraft. So pray, Father, if it is, show it to me, and I will walk out. Mm. You have to walk out. You will never survive there. You may go to hell if you continue there. You have to walk out. But I understand what you are talking about, but what do we do? Second thing, they have control over you. In so many different ways they have. Don't fear. Do not fear. God has not given you the spirit of fear. Tell Lord, I am afraid, but I don't want to be afraid. Fill me with your spirit. Fill me with your boldness. And no, just walk away. 
just walk away. And God will lead you to somebody who will be able to help you. And if you write to me again, and if you are involved in uh, SRA and all that, you are in part of it, uh, I will show you how to come out of it and how God will. But don't fear. Don't fear. But there are no different choices you have. You have only one choice. Get out. Run for your life. Mm. Get out of that place. Don't stay. Any place. I'm not talking about Catholic churches alone. Everybody is involved in it. Baptists are there. Lutherans are there. India, Pentecostals are there. India, local pastors. are. Everybody has God. Because, you know, if you don't have the power of God, you need power. Otherwise, you cannot sustain. So they go to the other side. Like I keep saying, pastors by day, masters by night. Yes. Living in tough times, Pastor. It was always tough times. Only thing these th- days, it has become what you call a mainstream. Witchcraft has become mainstream. It was never allowed for at least a hundred years back. Now it's mainstream. It's all over the internet. You can they they send you texts and all, asking you to log into their channels and they will prophesy over you. All these things are become mainstream. It is not. And those of you in U.S. sitting over there, you all know. You talk in your conversation that one. The wicked witch and this one, that one, all that, you know, master, you know it all. Because, and you're not able to come out because you're under its cover, but you have to come out. You have to come out. And I'll tell you something that's just giving you a little insight for those who are in America listening. There was a senator of yours who died some time back. He was a big time master, okay, big time master. He is some time back. As soon as he died, a little later, another senator suddenly changed. Now you will see he is so free and he talks so much pro-Trump, blah, blah, blah. He talks. You know why? Let me tell you why. I am assuming. I am not putting doctrine. Because the fellow who died was his master. When the master died, he became free. So if the master does not repent, pray, Lord, just set me free. That I can be free. So many things are happening in politics, people have no clue at all. Hmm. But God will help you out. Now, people have no clue what's happening in churches, in politics, in business, in movies. In That's why I don't want to watch sports also now. I don't know which guy went where and got this talent and becoming. I don't want to watch sports. I don't want to act. I don't want to know any one of them. For those of you, if you really want to check it out, check it on YouTube. You will see almost all the greats in the music in West and all. All have all the personalities. There are clips of them, other personalities coming out. It's all there. All these guys have all the personalities. And when they trigger them, when Trump sends a tweet and triggered them, they come and use the most filthy language. It's, it's triggering and it's alters that are coming out. And it was proved in a court in Australia, finally taken as an this thing, when that child altar came out. And let me tell you, there was this huge Kavanaugh, Justice Kavanaugh, who was finally confirmed to the Senate. The hearings that take place, he was accused of all kinds of things. And then this lady came to the Senate and gave her testimony. Let me tell you from experience. I'm not, I'm just assuming and I think I'm 99% right. When that lady came, came and gave her testimony about what happened. Did you notice her voice? It was a child altar who came out and lied. It was not her who was speaking. It was an altar that speak. And everybody sitting there knew what was happening. But they did not have the courage to stand up and say, this is it. You all knew what. You're all part of this big lying game. 
That's why we pray, Lord, open the eyes of the Christians in America that they will know what is happening to their nation. India and all is okay. For 6,000 years, we've been under that. Not Freemasons, but under the demonic. But your country was different. It's fully going under now. Okay, Lord. Yes, Pastor. Hmm. Your mic is making a little sound. Oh, it's my mic that was making the sound? Yes, yes. Okay. Oh, I didn't know that. Okay. Pastor, oh. we'll go to the theology section. Theology section. Okay. I should ask that question your dad asked, I think. Okay. It's there in the last. Should I ask it? Yeah, yeah. It's, in the, it's question number four in the last page. Four. Yeah, question number four in the last page. Mm. Pastor, at the end of his life, Solomon makes a wonderful conclusion. The whole duty of man is to fear God and keep his commandments. Does it indicate he repented and made it? Honestly, brother, I do not know. Nobody knows. You see, one of the things about uh, about people like Solomon or like uh, Balaam, Judas, I'm talking about people who knew the truth. They can speak the truth, absolute truth, right off their heads and yet have lost the capacity to change. That's what he talks about Esau. Esau repented with tears but could not bring about a change of mind. So that's possible. He's a man full of wisdom. And what he's saying is absolute truth. But was he really able to change? We do not know. The Bible is very silent about his last days. It does not show any change at all. He is like Saul went after David. He goes after Jeroboam, Jeroboam, whom God has chosen. The same spirit has come over him. And Jeroboam had to escape to Egypt and stay there until Solomon died. So the spirit that was on Saul, you see the same spirit upon Solomon. And that's how how he ends. So we don't know how he ended. We don't know how he ended. It doesn't look good, but he could have made it like the slip between the cup and the lip. We don't know how he did. He slip through or did he slip off? We don't know. Because these are all, um, his, how many years did he live after writing this? We don't know. When was this written? What point of his life was this written? We do not know. Yet it is vanity and all. But he's still going into the occult. He's still going to the high places and offering and the power of witchcraft is all over him. It's like some of these pastors who are part of the circle giving you fantastic sermons, but you know where they belong. They are on the other side. So I don't know. I don't know, but I hope for his father's sake, God showed him mercy. All right, Pastor. So there's another question in the, in the, not the curiosity section. Uh, This is, there's a question which I sent it to you that is come from my brother. Yeah. Uh, my question is about the Trinity. Yeah. That's question number seven on the previous page. Okay, seven. Trinity. Yes. Uh, it says, my question is about the Trinity and the relevance of Jesus' crucifixion 2,000 years back to today's sinful world. I will answer this question because it's important because that brother is uh, not fully come. I don't think he's fully come through, but he's of the Hindu background. Somewhere in the middle, I think. You know, so he... That means he's listening to these uh, sessions. First thing, let me tell you about the Trinity. The God, our God we worship is one. He manifests, I don't want to use terms, because it's very difficult to use terms when you're talking about the spiritual realm. Okay, uh, but he exists as three persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. 
and it also it's because of who he is and all these things also has to be manifest if god is love and god is only one person then who does he love mm. who does he love so there is manifestation not that god can be one alone and still not be loving but to be loving you need to love somebody so exists has three one of the simple things somebody explained to me when i was a very young believer 30 years ago was this when i asked this question as a ex catholic just got saved he said when you go out into the let's let's say he says in the afternoon it's really really now in hyderabad not afternoon the summer days it's blazing hot so you will never look up and dare to look at the sun you will never look at the sun look at the sun you look at the sun you know your eyes are gone you don't look at the sun but when you stand out there and you see the light all around and then you feel the heat on your body but he said all three actually are from the same thing mm. the sun is there the light is there and the heat you feel okay he said it's something like that god the father the sun is the light which we see and the holy spirit is what we experience experience inside the heat so holy spirit is put across as oil as wind as heat and fire and all the meaning simple terms in which we humans caught in this infinite sorry finite body can understand the infinite it is that when the sun is there the light is there and nobody has seen the father except the son and we all see light but you cannot see the holy spirit but you can feel the conviction of the holy spirit you can feel it you can't see heat but you can feel it. you can see light hmm. can you can feel light you can see light mm-hmm. so you can see jesus okay see jesus is the one who makes god known so that's something i still remember one of my young not he was much older in the lord but my age he explained to me this is the way i can explain to you what trinity is And the second question that he asked was the relevance this, of the crucifixion the relevance of jesus crucifixion 2000 years to today's sinful world let me tell you let me let me tell you something there jesus is the only person who stands alone in history entire human history is the only person we have if you want to look at him as a religious leader there are other great religious leaders too let's talk about india's great religious leader buddha buddha sat under a bodhi tree and he supposed to have achieved uh, what you call that nirvana uh, moksha il- in, no no il- enlightenment enlightenment and that is from where you have all the teachings of buddha but let me tell you something about buddha it doesn't matter which time buddha was born which tree he sat under what age he got his enlightenment it doesn't make any difference to history no difference could be 3rd bc after christ before christ 100 years ago it doesn't make any change to history history is not changed because of his timing or what tree or anything nothing happens there muhammad uh, prophet muhammad claims that angel gabriel came and he had all these visions from there what islam came it does not matter which country muhammad was born mm. could have been born in afghanistan in a, in a cave in afghanistan what age he was born 11 centuries back 10 centuries back 15 centuries back see all these 
people who are religious leaders who founded religions, where they were born, when they were born, what age they were born, when this happened, doesn't make any change to history. But Jesus, yes. Because everything about him has been prophesied. He cannot be born anywhere except Bethlehem. Hmm. If he's not born in Bethlehem, his teachings, nobody has to accept it. He's a liar. Okay. He has to be born of a virgin. Otherwise, his teachings are irrelevant because it's not his teachings that saves people. It is life that changes people. Amen. Amen. Yes. has to be born of a virgin. He has to be born, born in Bethlehem. He has to be born at that particular time because that also been told 4,000 years. The fourth day is when light and darkness is separated. He has to come at the fullness of a time has been chosen by God. He cannot come before that. He cannot come after that. He has to live in this particular way. That also has been being, every Yehudi Jew has been practicing this from the time of Moses, the first month, tenth day. They take a lamb without blemish, keep it for four days, they keep it for four days, mm. and then they slaughter it at twilight. It is basically talking about his life, his death. So they have been practicing it over. So about Jesus Christ, you need to realize he cannot come 100 years ago. He cannot come 200 years ago. He cannot come 500 years ago. He cannot come 3000 years ago. Everything about him has to be exactly as it has been told beforehand. And all the others, nothing was told beforehand. Yes. That is why it does not matter. The only thing that matters is their teaching and nobody can keep their teachings. It is <laughs> impossible to keep their teaching. It's impossible to give Jesus' teachings also. But he says, you cannot keep my teachings. First I will save you, then my spirit will come in you, then he will start helping you to keep my teachings day by day by you are growing in my teachings. Nobody keeps his teaching in one day, but you don't have to fear. You become sons of God, daughters of God. You are free from condemnation. That is why Jesus' life is complete. People still think about Jesus as a teacher. He doesn't save anybody as a teacher does not save anybody as a teacher. It is his life that teaches you. Mm. It saves you. And he's the only one who rose from the dead. Rose from the dead. Nobody else. And he sheds his, his shedding of his blood also. It is the most important part of his life. He has to shed his blood. And his blood is that sets us free. And you look at it, any of these religious leaders, founders of religion, nobody sheds blood for anybody. Mm. In that Nine out of ten avatars of Vishnu, nobody sheds blood. The only blood that could have been shed was by Krishna when he ascends because the archer mistakes his toe as a bird and hits him at the toe and he goes. Whether he shed his blood at that time, whether blood makes no difference at all. Does not make any, so it's not important in any of these religions, but in us, in our religion, it is very, very important. And you need to realize every religion, there used to be bloodshed. Hmm. And in every religion, at some point in history, bloodshed stopped. They still continue for Eid in the Islam, but they don't realize that was only symbolic about Jesus Christ. Even the Jewish system, it just stopped. It just stopped. Everywhere it realized, somehow it get into man's consciousness. consciousness. It does not make any difference anymore. Yes, yes. It's lost its power because the blood of Jesus Christ was offered. That's how his is different from everybody else. Hmm. Yes, Pastor Vijay. So there are some questions from our email uh, Go ahead, yeah. group. Mm. Uh, reading Jeremiah, 
is very depressing. But that I will Jeremiah all are yours. Are you? Okay, no, then I'll, I'll leave it right now. <laughs> <laughs> we will first of all. Then you can ask a question. I was just joking. Okay, go ahead, yeah. Yeah. It, uh, actually, maybe question number six, the pastor then? Six, okay. Yeah. How does one suppress the truth in unrighteousness or hold down the truth in unrighteousness according okay. to Romans chapter 1 verse 18? You answer that. You are the Roman scholar. You also have to answer some questions. These are theological questions. No, you answer. No, no, no. <laughs> Don't escape like this. Huh? Five days you escape. Six days you have it got. <laughs> no, the thing is... Uh, There's a rule called man shall not escape forever. Okay? <laughs> no, Pastor, you are the senior. So mm. I'm learning from you. <laughs> Nothing like that. Some juniors have better answers than seniors. Nothing like that. It is not about, uh, sub, I, I mean, this is how I see it. This is Romans chapter 1, one by verse, the way. Uh, verse 18, it says, uh, the, for what they, the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress or hold the truth in unrighteousness. The reason why they hold the truth in unrighteousness is because what can be made known of God. The next verse says, what is made known of God is made known to them. From the creation, every part of creation when they see, they see the hand of God. It's not that uh, they don't know the truth. They see the whole thing. The invisible attributes of God is made known to them. Everything about God is absolutely clear from creation. It is impossible for anyone to see whatever they see around and not come to the conclusion that there is somebody who has created the whole thing. They know it. But after they know it, they still do not want to accept it. So what do they do? They suppress the truth and unrighteousness because if they have to accept that there is a creator, then there comes a point of accountability and they don't want to make themselves accountable to anyone. That is the whole idea. That is the whole thought behind the whole process of uh, when he's writing, Paul is writing, he says, for since the creation of the world, the invisible attributes of God is made clear to everybody, even his eternal power and Godhead. In fact, if you go to the Romans chapter 2, he says, the law of God is written in their hearts and their conscience is either excusing them or accusing them. How do they know it? So in spite of that, that means nobody can escape God. It's there, written in the blueprint of creation. Everything about God is, it is impossible. If you go to any lab, I mean, people have all these theories. In fact, I, I remember once there was a, there was a debate between this evolutionist and this creationist. And the creationist was literally uh, steamrolling the evolutionist, okay? And at the end of the argument, after the whole thing is over, you know what the evolutionist said? He said to whatever the person is, doctor, if I have to accept your theory, then what are you going to do about all these people who are struggling with homosexuality? Now think about it. You have a theory. We are, we are discussing about the, uh, about an evolution or creation. Why have to, why should you bring suddenly a consciousness and a moral law there? Because everybody knows deep down inside of their heart, whatever they are doing is wrong. And they do not want to accept it. Therefore, therefore, what do they do? They know the truth. They suppress the truth or they hold down the truth, it says in the original. In unrighteousness. In unrighteousness. Yeah. That is the reason why they do it. I think that answers and we can... Let me tell the little children. My little children are all watching. So I'll tell, uh, Apacha will explain to you in a language you understand. We have to talk to Abigail and all, right? Yeah, Joanna, Abigail, Amman and all, okay? Once upon a time, there was a man who had only one daughter. Very pretty girl. He said, my girl is so pretty, no ordinary can marry her. I have to find the best man for her. So he looked around and he thought the son was the best. 
So he told the son, you have to marry my girl because you are the most powerful. The son said, no, the cloud is more powerful than me because the cloud comes and covers me. I can't do anything. So he asked the cloud, will you marry my girl? He said, cloud said, I am not the most powerful. The wind comes and blows me away. <laughs> so he said, the wind, will you marry my girl? The wind said, I am not the most powerful. This big mountain is over there. And the mountain stops me. So he asked the mountain, will you marry my girl? He says, I am so big. Yes, I can stop all this fellow, but I cannot follow, stop that mouse. That mouse makes holes through all through me. So he asked the mouse, will you marry my daughter? He said, no, I am not the cat. Then he asked the cat, will you marry? Cat said, no, that man, I'm scared of him. He chases me all the time. The dog chases me all the time. He asked the dog, the dog said, you know what? I have no freedom. This man puts his leash around me. So he finally realized, okay, then this man is the one who should marry my girl. So do you understand the fallacy? It is easier to worship the son Mm. who does not deal with your sin. Mm. Yes. It's easier to worship these elements as God. Because they don't, they don't mess around with your sin. Accountability is not there. That is how they suppress the truth with their unrighteousness. If they were really, really seeking truth, they will know none of this is God. Lord, speak to me and I believe God will speak to anybody. Because when I was young and I, I remember a girl in one of the meetings when she came and gave her testimony, she said, I come from a small little village in Karnataka. There's not a single Christian, nobody there. Nobody has ever come, spoken over there. But I was in the temple and I was worshipping and all. Finally, I said, this can't be God. And she said, I cried out to God and said, Lord, if you are real and there is a real God, this can't be God's, would you speak to me? She said, that night the Lord Jesus Christ spoke to me in my dream. That's how I became a Christian. And I still believe any man, anywhere, man, woman, child, seeks the living God without giving him. That's the, this is the gospel challenge which we give. I said, I challenge you, don't call him by name. That's what uh, Paul speaks in Athens, the unknown God. There is only one God. You are really seeking truth. I challenge you. Don't stop until you find him. When he knows you are ready, he will reveal it to you. How he will do it, that leave it to him. Amen. Because if God is living, he speaks. He speaks. But these can't be gods. That's how they suppress the truth. And deep inside, everybody knows no. God is different. So there is a question on suffering. Question number five. Why did God set Job up to suffer when he confirmed he was righteous? What was Job's offense? What was it God was trying to achieve with Job's trial? By the way, Job is the first book in the Old Testament. Genesis and all were written later by Moses, by Revelation. But Job was the first book and James was the first book in the New Covenant. These two books talks about trials and sufferings. Primarily to prepare believers that this life you will have to go through and it primarily purifies you. Why did God set Job up to suffer? You will see that God, uh, Satan comes, challenges, and God is the one who points out Job to Satan. When God removes, there are two ways you can be get bitten by the snake. One is you break the head, mm. the snake bites you. The way out for it is repentance. Confession, plead the blood and come back inside and stay inside. But if God removes the heads, you can be absolutely sure you are, you are secure. You are secure. Your end is secure. When God removes the heads, it means 
your your what you call your exaltation your victory is already gathered because no father would do that no father would put a challenge before his child unless he knows the child can do it wouldn't wouldn't do anything to his own child to destroy that child wouldn't do that so when god removes it so you will see through it all he was righteous in the beginning but there is a right there is a difference of the level of righteousness if you go to at the end after 40 chapters if you come to job 42 yeah you will see his confession changing verse 5 he will say i have heard of you by the hearing of the ear but now my eyes have seen you sees you therefore i abhor myself and repent in dust all is questioning ultimately he was a righteous man like paul blameless he had no law but within what he was living righteous man but it also became self righteousness mm-hmm. but when he saw god meaning he actually encountered god and he saw the righteousness of god in comparison to god's righteousness he says i abhor myself and repent in dust and in ashes so what happens is he actually increases in his righteousness at the end yes at the end now he realizes the righteousness of man is nothing now he's moving into a position where he will receive a righteousness that is by faith and faith alone Amen. the righteousness of god okay he was a righteous man in his generation but now he's going to receive a righteousness that would come from god and that's what he's talking about now my eyes have seen you isn't that isn't that uh, isn't is just think about uh, all of us when we see christ you know see christ okay fanny crosby who wrote all those hymns so many hymns which we sing and when she was told uh, in uh, some stage she was born, she was blind all her life she was by wrong medication was blind all her life and somebody said i feel so sorry for you that uh, that you are blind that you could not see and all her answer was supposed to be no i am not sorry i am the luckiest because when my eyes are open the first face i will see Jesus. is my lord's hallelujah Hallelujah. first face i will see is my lord's okay think about it mm-hmm. rebecca's journey all the way from haran to canaan all the way she is hearing about isaac and isaac and isaac and isaac and isaac and isaac from eliezer mm-hmm. and then she sees him that's what he's talking about my ears have heard about you and from what i've heard about you i kept all this thing but now this is not hearsay i have experienced you in my life no that is what we are talking about wisdom is good knowledge is good life is better hmm amen life is and jesus said my words my words are truth. life you have to keep hearing all the messages morning evening and all but when it becomes life nobody has to tell you anything, anything. you know this is become my life his life has become my life okay he was he was blessed beyond recognition who was abraham was blessed and blessed and blessed and blessed and blessed and blessed and blessed god is my blessing everything then one day god told him take your only son go on a three day journey mm-hmm. he reaches there goes up to offer his son and god says stay your hand for the first time he realizes i have nothing to offer god then he sees a ram caught by the horns that is when he say yahweh yure god my provider now this is an experience amen 
God has to provide. You have nothing and supernaturally God provides you something. I remember years back, 15, 16 years back when I was like, you know, all alone, my kids and no church. But I had to take care of all expenses and I still sleep in the afternoon. And I leave one window like this open over there with a net, this thing. And I come out in the afternoon and I see envelopes on the front room. People put money and they put it there and go away. And I didn't even know, know that people knew where I lived. But when needs were met, taken. And I, you know, you know, you take that envelope and said, you know, and some people who drive a raven has sent it and all that. I said, who is this person? Who sent this? And you know, my needs were met. But each time it was an experience. And when you experience it like you never fear lack of provision. Amen. Amen. Experience of getting your salary and experiencing mm. direct hand. That also God is providing. You provided you a job, you worked, your salary comes. But experiencing the direct hand of God, you it's do an not. Experience. It's an experience. You do not fear at all. It sound okay? Amen. Yeah. Amen. Okay. Yeah. So there's one question from online right mm. now in the chat. Okay. It says, uh, I believe fasting to be a lifestyle mm. rather than something to undertake on any occasion. Mm. When, why, and how often should one fast? The Bible's Old Covenant, we learn about fastings. We learn uh, so many things about fasting from the Old Testament. Okay, So we need the Old Testament to understand all this. But Jesus in the Lord's Prayer, he says, when, when you, you fast. fast. When you fast. When you fast. Um, fasting is a lifestyle because one of the best things the fasting does it it uh, kills your flesh. It kills your flesh. Okay, remember every what I tell mothers: every baby that is born in that, like in that seed, is that full-grown tree. One day, if it under perfect climatic conditions and nurture, it will become a full-grown tree. In the same way, in this baby are all the desires of the flesh. Mm. Everything. It only has to grow. To it to be manifested. But what is the first desire that is manifested is hunger. Hunger is the first desire that is manifested. So if you can deal with that and teach the child how to deal with that and exercise self-control over it, you can teach the child to exercise everything later in life. So you know Daniel had a very good mother. Mm. And Sarah spoiled Isaac. Because yes. child of the old days, and that too, mutton fry one day, chicken fry one day, camel fry one day. <laughs> yeah, they eat camel too. Camel meat is good. So I've eaten camel meat. Oh, Lord, like <laughs> Pastor, I think we can call it so, a day. Yeah, it's so like, that uh, is what. So fasting, what it does, it, it kills your flesh. flesh. But fasting as a practice is useless because you will always say in the Bible, fasting is connected with praying. If you just fast, then you are dieting. They don't call it fasting, but it's called dieting. Or starving. Oh yeah, yeah, dieting. <laughs> there are three kinds of fasting. One is spiritual, the other is starvation because you have no food. The other is dieting because you want to lose weight. And the Bible is not talking about that. The Bible is always puts fasting with praying. Mm. So if you are not praying, you needn't be fasting. So we don't do like strictly 7 day fast, 21 day fast, 40 day fast. No, God has to tell. Mm. And there are certain situations in your life you are not hearing and you need to realize, you know what, I need to hear. Amen. So you go on a fast. And you know, that's what. And um, 
guys like Daniel would go on a 21 day fast to just to understand uh, scriptures. scriptures. Okay, understand scriptures. And God, we have the Holy Spirit within us. But again, the flesh and the world can dull us. And I also would say that fasting does, I also would say fasting does not necessarily always mean, at least in our context, food alone. But there will be some people like me where food doesn't make a difference. You'll miss a meal every day. It doesn't bother at all. But something else could bother you completely. You could be addicted to TV. Mm. Let us say example TV. So God may tell you, fast for three days from TV. You will hear me better. Mm. Yes. And then three days, you still not hear. God will say, go extend it to seven days. Mm-hmm. Extend it to 21 days. 21 days you heard very clearly. Yes, Lord. Okay, sell your TV. Hallelujah. It took 21 days to hear that. God had told him in the first day, he would have said, I rebuke you, devil. TV is not bad. Mm. God said, it is not bad. It is bad for you. Okay. I didn't say TV was bad. Mm. TV came after the law was given. So there is no TV in the law. (laughs) Some people can have the TV in their house. It doesn't bother them at all. Some people should not have TV at all in their house. Mm. So in the new covenant, please remember there are no laws. No laws. laws. The laws are written by the Holy Spirit. To Pastor Vijay, he may say one thing. To me, he may say exactly the opposite. Exactly the only case. How can God? God says, I'm not contradicting. I know each one. I know each one. Mm. Like my kids, when they were small, I would tell Noela, go play. Andrew, please read. <laughs> no, you're contradicting yourself, right? Because this guy will only play. That one will only read. Now, no, come with me. Take her to the park and you will walk behind me. I'm going to take 10 rounds. You walk behind me. Walk behind me. Mm. Other fellow, if you allow him to play, he will play from morning till evening. When we are playing in the large room, we are playing cricket, Andrew is playing cricket, this thing, I'm bowling, Noel, I will sit in a chair and catch. I said, will you please stand up? No. Now it looks contradictory, right? To one child you are telling, read, the other child you are saying, play. But it's not contradictory. And that's how exactly God deals with his children. That's what it means he will write his laws in the in your heart. He will tell you each one what to do. Amen. What to do. And you just listen to the voice because it is not the same rule for everybody. You know, some people will say, people will say fast for seven days. It will not work hmm. because they are always fasting anyway. Amen. So he will say, no, you need to do one thing. You need to do one thing. You need to go and spend seven days with and eat with your family. Why? Because that's one thing you don't do. One thing, uh, somebody, somebody, <laughs> that's it that you heard, right? That's it. You don't do, because that is what you need to do. And you need to sit with your children and you play and everything. Suddenly you realize you God speaking through children. Like we heard today's, no? Ira talking in her Bible with the head covered, nice son. Coronavirus killed. <laughs> she found coronavirus in the Bible. Hmm. Hallelujah. Okay. <laughs> Sometimes a child has to speak like that and you will realize, you oh my God, the child has better faith than you. I am afraid of coronavirus. Yeah. There is a God who destroyed all the plagues in the Bible. <clears throat> I don't have to be afraid. No. Sometimes you don't realize where God will speak, what setting God will speak. Hallelujah. You do not know. So God writes and that's where you have to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. So my dear brethren, 
and in fact uh, yeah. collusion says that if you try to fast and you try to make it into a boasting that, yeah. that it then becomes the whole purpose is defeated purpose of this <laughs> thing whole thing goes <laughs> that's why the man statutory warning in Matthew 6 when you fast do it in secret secret look as if you are eating nicely mm. nobody should know it is a they then becomes a carnal exercise yes carnal exercise you know so that's for tonight tomorrow morning we'll come back with the word please uh, my dear brethren in australia us and all australia of course i know it will be late night or oh, morning is oh, fine it's for it's you fine, it's fine, fine for you us no please listen up because i want to deal with issues you are struggling all of us are struggling but primarily looking at how we need to deal with these things and also for the others and evening we'll come back to q and a and then of course after that is sunday so the first day of the fifth month we just thank god shall we pray father we just thank you lord we just thank you thank you thank you thank you thank you lord thank you we just thank you we just praise you we just worship you lord thank you thank you father thank you lord for your faithfulness four months oh lord sometime in january this virus reached india mm. so four months you have protected us kept us through it all father yes some did not make it maybe around the world even your own children but even they their deaths are secure because every child of god sleeps in christ jesus amen but we thank you you kept us alive and we pray nobody will forget the reason we have been kept alive it's for your purpose your purpose and i pray your purpose is working it out in each life oh lord everybody's life lord it's working out that season of reflection a season of repentance a season of reconciliation with god and with man a season to pursue peace and holiness with god peace with men this this season Amen. be fruitful for your people lord and for all your children around the world this is a season of deliverance amen lord that god will set you free and put your feet on the rock that the enemies that pursued you like egypt that pursued israel you will not see anymore you will come on to the other side strong in the lord my prayer you will grow strong in the word in faith too that you will not wander but you will possess the life of Christ Jesus we know in the world tonight here and the other side of the globe it is rituals the biggest ritual day night of the year but we take authority in the name of Jesus of Nazareth we bind every power of darkness every demonic entity that is released against your children who have come out of it we bind you in the name of Jesus of Nazareth every demon that is being released and every demon that will be released i command you by faith in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth to go back to those who release you will go back you will not touch any one of these dear ones they have come out they are under the protection of the lord jesus christ i plead the blood of jesus the blood of jesus over them over the whole church over our families from the oldest to the youngest to the little ones we plead the blood the blood the blood of jesus and we proclaim your word no weapon that is formed against us will prosper every lying tongue that rises against us in judgment we condemn it in the name of jesus, jesus of nazareth jesus. for your word says 
we are your servants and our righteousness is of you, Lord. If God is for us, who can be against us? And you have given us power. Your word says, behold, I give you power over all the power of the enemy. And by faith, according to your word, in this spiritual realm, we trample upon snakes and scorpions. And we proclaim, you will by no means harm us, because that is the word of the Lord. And the word of the Lord will stand. It has been forever settled in the heavens. Heaven and earth will pass away, not a dot from your word, O Lord. So we lift your word, we lift your word, and I pray everyone, Lord, who are hearing will find shelter under the shadow of thy wings, O Lord. Lord. Stretch forth your wings, O Lord, and cover your people, especially these new ones who have come out of the demonic, Lord. Cover them, protect them, keep them, Lord. Let the glory of God be manifested in this hour of darkness, O Lord. The glory of God be manifested in and through the lives of your children. Thank you, thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. As your servant, I bless them in your name. name yes. And as your servants, we lift up our hands and we bless your holy name, Lord. We bless your holy name. We bless your holy name. And we proclaim, thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever and ever, Lord. And all God's people said, Amen, Amen. Amen.